Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Catherine Morehouse. Democrats in two key swing states are weighing how much political capital they should spend to defend the regional greenhouse gas initiative. See, Reggie is a mandatory carbon trading program designed to limit emissions from the electric utility sector. It's been politically controversial since it was created, and it hasn't meaningfully expanded since the mid-2000s. Enter Democrats in Pennsylvania, which isn't in Reggie, and Virginia, which is. The battles in Virginia and Pennsylvania are sort of opposites in a way, but they both have major implications for Reggie's ability to more effectively reduce carbon emissions. And politically, it's also this test of how politicians in both states can balance competing labor, environmental, and energy interests. That's Politico's Jordan Woolman. And today, we chat with him about the partisan fights in Virginia and Pennsylvania over the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. It's Friday, November 17th. So the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, or REGI for short, is a program of 11 states in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic region that have come together to put a price on carbon emissions coming from the power sector. So anytime a fossil fuel generating plant emits pollution, they have to account for that through this carbon price. There are auctions, you can sell your sort of allotments if you need less or or what have you. And so it's basically like a cap and trade among these 11 states. And the program started in the early 2000s and sort of had its last meaningful expansion in 2007. But now we're seeing efforts from more fossil fuel reliant states to join the program. And there's a lot of political pushback. So I'm talking about Pennsylvania and Virginia. Virginia is currently in the program, but there's some controversy with its continued participation, which we'll get to in a second. And sort of what I'm seeing now in Virginia and Pennsylvania is Democrats weighing these difficult decisions about how much political capital to spend defending their participation in Reggie. Interesting. And you're reporting that basically participating in this program in both states has become a political game of balancing labor, environmental, and energy interests. Could you walk through where those different groups stand on Reggie? Sure. So labor is an interesting group here because, you know, you might think of them as more natural Democratic allies, and Democrats have been more enthusiastic to join Reggie by and large, with some exceptions. But here, labor groups have really been forceful in pushing back against Reggie. These are the boilermakers, the electricians, union workers who operate these energy-generating plants that rely on fossil fuels, and they have their jobs to defend. So there's a worry that this Reggie program, with the carbon price it, it does levy on these power plants, could put them out of business or at least jeopardize their financial standing. So labor groups have been you know, really concerned about Reggie and really have pushed back in opposition. Environmental groups, probably to no surprise, fully support Reggie. They see this as a way to promote clean power sources because you're sort of making them more competitive in the market and that there are these environmental and health benefits that come through Reggie that shouldn't be ignored. Energy interests sort of naturally are split. You know, you have coal and natural gas plants that are, you know, very much opposed to this. They don't want this increased financial burden placed on them. 
But of course, renewable energy loves it because it sort of makes it easier for them to compete in the market and sort of boosts their solar and wind sources as power. So that's sort of where, where those three groups stand. And Democrats have to walk this line of how to balance it. And, you know, I think it's fair to say that someone's going to have to lose. You know, you can't both be in Reggie and not in Reggie. So someone's going to have to lose. So let's break down the politics of both states now, starting with Virginia. We know that Democrats just gained a legislative majority, but they still have a Republican governor, Glenn Youngkin, and he does not want Virginia in the regional greenhouse gas initiative. So how far are Democrats willing to go to make sure they stay in the climate program? Yeah, so it's pretty interesting. So Virginia entered Reggie in 2021 through a law that was enacted by Youngkin's Democratic predecessor, and he sort of campaigned on and to his credit has worked to fulfill his promise of taking the state out of Reggie through executive action, through the regulatory process. And so now that Democrats won big in Virginia earlier in November, they'll have a decision to make. They'll, they'll be able to fight this withdrawal effort with more firepower if they want it. And I spoke with the current chair of the Senate Conservation Committee in Virginia And he predicts that Democrats are going to push this issue. They're going to try to push for Reggie in the state budget, which will ultimately, you know, in divided government, will ultimately have to lead to some sort of compromise. And so it actually puts more pressure on Youngkin. You know, how far is he going to go with this push? Is this going to be an issue he's willing to compromise on? Or is he going to sort of stick to his guns and put up a fight in the budget if Democrats choose to go that route? So it should be pretty interesting. And let's move to Pennsylvania. So we have there we have Democratic Governor Josh Shapiro And he has to decide whether he wants to follow the lead of former Governor Tom Wolf, who did want to join the program. But then there are also some legal considerations here that you've reported on. Where does Shapiro stand as far as we know? So in Pennsylvania, we have sort of the inverse debate as in Virginia. So in Pennsylvania's case, former Governor Wolf tried to enter Reggie through executive action and the regulatory process, which Republicans in the state and some business groups really cried foul, saying he was superseding the legislature's power you know, Reggie does levy a financial penalty. And so that needs to come from the legislature. So ultimately, this went to court, a four year battle back and forth, both political and legal. But on the legal side, a court just ruled that Pennsylvania cannot join Reggie through the avenue that former Governor Wolf tried to pursue. And so now Governor Shapiro, who has been more cool to joining Reggie than than Wolf, he has a decision to make. He has now less than 30 days to decide whether or not to appeal that court ruling And even though, you know, this was not Shapiro's sort of pet project, this was Wolf's, it's squarely in his court now. He has to decide whether to appeal this ruling and try to fight for this program or just let it die and move on. He had a a Reggie working group assembled that didn't really come up with any concrete recommendations on Reggie in particular. And, you know, he won the governorship. He's in Harrisburg right now because of labor support. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, labor has a lot of issues with Reggie. So this is a political tightrope he's got to walk. He also may have presidential ambitions. And a decision like this could follow him either way. So he's got enviros, energy, and labor to consider here. And I don't think anyone envies his position. Also... Rich countries likely met their overdue climate funding promise to developing nations in 2022. That's what the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development announced on Thursday in its latest climate finance report. Remember, back in 2009, developed countries pledged to deliver $100 billion a year by 2020 to help poorer countries reduce emissions and prepare for the impacts of global warming. That promise was broken, and it undermined trust at global climate talks. 
For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Normal Malichael is the podcast producer. Kara Tabor and Alex Keeney edited the podcast this week. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. And that's our show. I'm Catherine Morehouse, and we'll see you back on Monday. Today's program support is provided by Chevron. Progress means producing renewable fuels for today's fleets. Chevron intends to grow their renewable fuels production capacity to 100,000 barrels per day by 2030. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash renewable fuels.